Welcome to Culture Fit. I'm your host, Natalie Dow, aka Rockstar Arms, and with me, as always, in studio is the amazing Aaron Rowley. Wouldn't say I'm amazing, but I'm here as well. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to be demystifying a few things that seem to be getting spoken about in gyms across Asia and also as a topic of dinner table conversation. There's definitely two standout things that everyone is speaking about and that is intermittent fasting and ketosis two things that involve food so aaron let's start with intermittent fasting or if as it's more widely known um what is it well if i think from from where i first learned about it there was a there was a young swedish guy named martin berkham and i think he's the one that sort of um uh, whether you'd like to say it or not, it, it introduced us all to IF and, and what you can do with it in the fitness world. I think before that, um, you mostly had, uh, he, not to say hippie type people, but people that were in this uh, you know vegan or longevity type community that were doing this sort of thing. And then Martin was the one that introduced to me for sure that we could use this in fitness to... Um, to help us get leaner and he claims to perform better whether that's true or not it's hard to say and the theory behind it is you eat for so many hours and then don't eat for so many hours yeah that's it well that's there's a standard template of uh, 16 hours of of not eating and and you get an eight hour window in which to consume all your calories Um, there is some talk that it's better for uh, women in particular to do 14 hours or less so slightly less than a guy but I mean everyone's a little bit individual with that and during that eight hours you know it's not a free-for-all of eat as many calories as you can <laughs> unfortunately I don't think any diet is, uh, is a free-for-all everyone always promises that we can do that but it just doesn't seem to happen does it no life, no life unfortunately <laughs> Um, you know, I know the likes of Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan talk about IF a lot, um, mm. and they've probably brought it to the forefront for the general public. Yeah. Um, you know, and a lot of athletes have, have tried it at all. But, you know, what are the benefits? There's one that always springs to mind, and that's, you know, cell regeneration. Yeah, so they always, when, they, um, when they talk about it, they talk about autophagy. I'm not sure if I'm always pronouncing that correctly. There's a few ways to say it. It's basically that um, when you're in the when you're in the middle towards the end of the fast, um, you're you're the your body's needing this this um, this protein. So what it's doing is the the cells when they regenerate, there's a there's a little bit of this this uh, cellular damage, and that the body actually eats that that cellular damage for the for the nutrition. Um, and that, that they say is helping us to avoid um, the cancer and all these other these, um, illnesses that we can get. So, I mean, from, from all looks of it, it looks like it really can be a benefit to us. And suitable for everyone or as all diets, you know, not suitable? Um, I don't. I, we, um, we don't blankly recommend IF. I think that it's good for some people, someone like you, that's um, got er- got everything lined up. Um, it, not not too much outgoing stress. You know, you sleep well. 
um, you train within your limits. I mean, that's you're training obviously more than the rest of us, but um, so if someone like you, the IF works really well, someone that's working too many hours, they got a little bit of stress at home, maybe they're not quite eating properly, um, IF might be an extra stress on top of that and it could backfire and just, uh, just you know, really destroy the, the person. Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm obviously a massive fan. I follow the 16, eight rule every day you know it works well for you yeah yeah Yeah. and from an energy level point of view i mean i can fast for 16 hours and run 18 kilometers no problem at all so i i don't find it messes with my energy levels but again that's that's me personally and then there's some people that you know i know do a 24-hour fast once a week yeah there's a few ways to do it now isn't there and i think the um they have that um, five two, which yes. is the, the two days of limited calories. So it's five hundred calories a day, and and I think the Australian CSIRO or something came up with that one, and that seems to work well for a lot of people. Um, or then yeah, you have the once a week fast, or the the IF would be the main ones. Some people still do the longer fasts, and I think that um, every now and again it probably is healthy for your body. Um, people have been doing it since the dawn of time most religions have some form of fasting in them and there's probably a reason why that fasting is there it was it must have been some benefit i mean and i think you know the hours so the eight hours of eating if we're working on the 16 8 mm. um you know that's adaptable isn't it so for me i choose 8 a.m to 4 p.m and mm. don't have a social life after yeah. 4 p.m and don't don't <laughs> go out to dinner with friends i have no friends um but other people will choose, you know, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. if that suits them. That does better. seem to be better for a social situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the, the original guy that I learned it from, again, Martin Burkham, he was the one that said, do it later in the day so that you can be normal. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not normal <laughs> yet again. We all do that already, right? Uh, but no, I th- you know, it, it's an interesting, an interesting one. And like you say, not, not necessarily one size fits all or if someone's wanting to give it a try would you even suggest trying you know 14 hours and 10 hours of eating on and you know not not just jumping straight into 16 8 yeah i think i mean everyone's a little bit different but i think that um from what i've seen slowly increasing that that um uh, fasting window um, it's probably the better way to do it. So if you usually eat breakfast at seven, I mean, your body gets used to that, that, that feeding time. So it's going to be a little bit difficult. So if you push it then until say 9am, um, then, you know, the next week you're pushing it to 11 and then slowly you're getting towards that 1pm. Um, the one thing I will say is though, that when you're doing IF, um, it's important to get your calories right because a lot of people go into it, um, and they're fasting for that 16 hours. And then during the eight hours, they're not eating enough calories. And so then th- that really becomes a bit of a problem. I mean, initially you'll be fine, but eventually you're really going to crash. And I think that, you know, everyone always talks about the meal that you break fast with is super important too. Mm. So it should be something that is your body's going to want to grab hold of and, and burn rather than putting a whole heap of sugar into your body breaking it. Yeah, probably a whole heap of sugar is never really yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> unless unless that's how you're training. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And then... Uh, you know, I think I hear people say, oh, well, I'm doing it, but, you know, that's okay. I can have coffee or I can have, you know, coconut water during the, the fasting time. But yeah. if you're truly fasting, it is water only during that fast time, isn't it? Yeah, I can't remember the yeah. name of the lady who, who, who um, 
uh, Dr. Rhonda Patrick, I think it is, and she was the one that said, you know, in between that, that fasting window, you should just be drinking water and that's it. Because once you punch anything into the system, um, the liver starts to process it and then that blocks that, that autophagy for sure. Okay. Um, but, I mean, there, there are a lot of people doing it with a, a bit of black coffee, a bit of black tea, but coconut water for sure with the natural sugars in there yeah. is going to punch you out of that, that okay. fast. Oh, that's good. And then, you know, people, I think, say they are, they're doing IF and so can you do IF and be in a state of ketosis at the same time? You know, and are most people doing that? That's a good question. I can pull the answer out of my butt. I think that, I mean, whenever, whenever you're fasting, um, I mean, you're, you're basically starting to burn fat anyway. The, the, Thing of ketosis is that you're using the the ketones which is the liberated um, fat for energy um, i don't see it would probably be much easier to do if in ketosis as well because then you're sort of basically just staying in that fat burning zone the whole time yeah um, i personally probably would kill me but i'm sure you could do it <laughs> yeah and so just for people who don't know what ketosis is do you want to you know give them a quick oh, wow. rundown okay i think so um uh, what, what, when you go into ketosis in this situation for dieting, um, what you're trying to do is um, you get the body to start using fat as a preferred energy source over, over glucose, which is the easier one for the body to, to use for energy because it's there. They don't really have to process much to, to use it for energy, whereas fats are slightly longer um, processed to liberate the energy out of. Um, but what they're doing is once you've been eating a very low carbohydrate and low protein diet for a while um, the body starts to become adapted to using fat for energy um, and that when you're in a state of ketosis you're releasing these ketones and the body's using that as its fuel source or preferred fuel source and i know the start of uh, 2017 i did something called the maffetone test for two weeks which is by phil maffetone who's yeah. famous uh, for yeah. you know if, uh, putting your body into a state of fat burning around running mm. um, and so basically you take everything out of your diet mm. uh, except for a bit of uh, fat and yeah. pure foods and um, you know doing that and doing a fuel fuel efficiency test before and then doing one after mm. you know it only took two weeks for me to completely you know up the ante so it is easy to do it in a short amount of time really with diet right I mean, it's easy for some. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hard, it's harder for others. I think, um, I mean, the one thing with IF and with these sort of things, I think with IF, what it taught us was that we didn't have to eat um, every two hours, right? Yeah. Because when fitness was, when it was uh, 20 years ago, we all were all carrying around Tupperware containers full of food. So IF liberated us from having to eat all the time. And then um, it, being in ketosis as well, I don't think you would feel much hunger. I think it's again it's another liberating yeah. feeling that's why and um, also people are saying that they um, have this cognitive benefit as well so I mean it's yeah whatever. yeah mm-hmm. I don't feel like I get a dip in the afternoon you know when I'm doing it so there's no low blood sugar or I just coffee for that that's yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you're allowed caffeine on all of this yeah, yeah. <laughs> most importantly yeah I mean and and even with IF you know people do it they have a you know they still have a glass of wine or whatever if that's you know, it's not not recommended, but, you know, you can still live your life. Yeah, I think everyone's a little bit different as well. Some people probably can have a glass of wine or a, a little bit of something and then they don't actually bump, pump, 
out of ketosis where yeah. a lot of people maybe everyone reacts a little bit differently to the food yeah no that's uh that's good and any other you know i think it feels like 2017 has been a year of all these diets or eating plans coming back yeah. into fashion that were yeah, so. somewhat old and a blast from the past and and uh you know rejuvenating now as something new mm-hmm. um you know what else have you seen out there uh over the last year with your clients you know what are they doing yeah i think i mean in asia especially i think if is really like you said at the beginning i'm starting to see more and more people asking about it they want to know how to do it properly um, and there's still a lot of people that just don't understand it at all they're like fasting is going to be bad for me i'm going to lose all this muscle um I don't think that from the client point of view, I've seen too many people want to get into ketosis um, or even really understand what it is. Um, People are still just starting into paleo and gluten-free, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, you know, you know, we're both both into the uh, the unconventional medicine Mm. uh, book at the moment. And, you know, they talk about things like gluten in there and that, you know, it's actually not that bad and we don't all have a you know an allergy to it it's just overuse and in different forms so mm. you know do you think people overreact to things like gluten uh, i think that everyone's a little bit different and that you should try and see what works best for you i think the blanket 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 I think um, just throwing a net out there and saying everyone should be gluten-free or everyone should do IF or everyone should um, uh, get into ketosis um, is just silly. And I think that it, it doesn't react the same with everyone and it doesn't fit with everyone's lifestyle. So people shouldn't be scared to try try things, um, but they also shouldn't be caught up in the dogma and saying this is how I must do it. So um, I think just have a go yourself and give, make sure you give it a, a reasonable go. Uh, make sure it's not so so reasonable that you're disrupting your entire life or putting your partner off because you can't do anything in the evening except sit there and fast. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, not one size fits all yeah, like not anything. One yeah, and it's I think back to living a healthy life, not eating processed stuff I and eating whole foods. Yeah. Everyone should be um, avoiding processed food. I think. Yeah. yeah. yeah Cooking at home. Yes, yeah, being boring it's like I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, other things we're seeing across Asia this week, uh, which is really, really interesting. Um, you know, Fitness First and Celebrity Fitness merged earlier this year to become one of the largest fitness next networks across Asia. Uh, and released on Bloomberg this week was that it's now Pure Group's turn to look to sell uh, their majority shareholding, which is interesting. So that's their gyms, their yoga, their apparel and their food. So how do you see big gyms across Asia surviving when, you know, the likes of Pure's trying to get out of the market and uh, Fitness First and Celebrity are combining? California went you know went under Mm. um it's an interesting time for fitness in asia yeah it it is and i think that um i mean fitness first really sold off most of the stuff in europe and i think only kept um the uk as far as i can remember and i think we're just starting to see now um all these um boutique gyms popping up in 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 asia and i think that the boutique gyms um people can see the value in it now i mean if you go into one of these um, big box gyms I think they're still um, just pushing for sales and pushing the trainers for sales and there's not that 
that just to generalize not that quality there whereas people now can go to a boutique gym in asia the trainers are amazing um the prices are are reasonable and it's it's just a generally it's a better environment i yeah. think so a lot of these gyms are going to start to struggle because they've had it so good for so long they haven't they haven't got all their ducks in a row and i think you know the thing about boutique gyms and it'll be interesting to see what happens with them over the next year or so people are wanting community as mm. well so those big the the big gyms don't necessarily create that they're great if you just want to get in do your workout and walk out but a lot of people mm. now you know fitness is their friendship circle and that's where they're spending a lot of time so these crossfit we've boxes, got crossfit to thank for yes that really exactly they were the ones that sort of yeah. started all this family fitness thing off i think and i and also i think it's not locking people into long term you know one or two year contracts so most mm. of them are month to month now which lets people explore uh lets them try different things if it's not right for them they can do something else or if they want to specialize mm. and go and do calisthenics for a month they can do that without having to sign up for a year. Yeah, I think, I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, in Australia, I think that we had that, that big issue with people selling long-term memberships, gyms going bankrupt, people losing their money. So the government changed um, the laws there to make it so that it was a, a short-term sort of membership thing, which was better for the public. And then people couldn't run off with all the money. Um, when I first came into Asia 20 years ago, I think the gyms were still selling those long-term memberships. Yeah. And I think as the market is now maturing, um, whether they don't really have the government intervention, but they have, I think, just the pushback from people just saying, look, I don't want to have a yeah. five-year membership. I don't want to be locked into this thing. So I think that the market's reacting to that. Um, and I think that on top of that, with um, people saw that Asia was lucrative for, um, for fitness. And so we've had this saturation now of these boutique gyms. It's not like there's uh, one or two is one or two in every corner yeah um so i mean people have a massive amount of choice and i think what we're going to see now is that um as the bigger box gyms close down i think also the boutique gyms are also going to start to struggle if they haven't got everything um worked out the way it should be to financially um so it'd be interesting to see where the market goes in the next few years yeah and i think even from a you know you've got the the in-person stuff the boutique gyms the larger gyms but then you've got online fitness programs growing mm. at a rapid rate as well yes i you know come yeah. and visit mine <laughs> yeah i have mine um uh but you know that is a massive area for growth so now you've got the big box gyms coming up with virtual programs within their gym so you mm. don't have to attend a les mills class you can then play it back on your phone and go into an empty studio and do it so you know it's really changing how people are interacting with fitness as yeah, well it is really interesting i mean i of course um we don't want to plug anyone else's um, <laughs> online program but i have seen a few actually and now that you mentioned the big box one i saw one the other day uh, we we're doing some corporate work and one of the the employees there showed me the program that they're following and it was actually quite good yeah the, the program was good the video, the video um, footage was amazing. Um, the exercises were good choices. I mean, it's it's really um, it's matured. I just dropped the ball with that one. Yeah, just missed that whole thing. Just sprung up out of nowhere for me. And I think you know, I think apps are almost a thing in the past. As long as it's mobile friendly, people are happy to uh, to watch it on their phone. Yeah, that way. I mean, it's the way it's it's going to go. I think. Um, luckily for us though people are always going to want that personal yes. sort of interaction so 
Yeah, and and having an having a program on your phone is fine. You've still got to go and do it, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like having a gym membership, you still got to turn up and uh, and sweat it out. Um, and then talking about community, uh, one of Asia's biggest health and fitness events is coming to Singapore next April, which is exciting. Active Fit Asia. Uh, Media Corp are backing the event and we'll see international talent attend as well as activations around fitness, nutrition, new products, seminars. Um, so, uh, you know, thinking Australian fitness. Uh, yeah, great. You know, it's it's based on that, which mm. is exciting. And I think a long, a long time coming to Asia um, to bring together a huge amount of of different things so great for the public right open to public open to fitness professionals and they have you involved oh, what, yeah, what, yeah. What, what, what more could they want in a fitness expo nat watching tv and then we can see nat flash up on the screen <laughs> no, come no, see us at the expo yeah but no exciting stuff right i think yeah. uh the more you know we're, we're definitely seeing a growth and we're seeing an interest from the general population attending these things and having a thirst for knowledge and new things around uh around what's coming and you know what's hot in the us what's hot in australia and these markets that seem to be um you know a year or so ahead of ahead of asia yeah well i think that you know it's easy it is easy to say that the us and, and australia are ahead of asia um and i think that um if you if you look at it when i mean you get to travel a bit um, well i'm lucky enough to get to travel a little bit as well um, so when we do go to the US, to Australia, into Europe, um, I always visit a gym uh, and then um, just ha have a look at how what's happening in the gyms. And it seems to me when I look around, the quality of personal training um, seems to be better in Asia at the moment. From, from the, the gyms that I've been looking at, I'm not sure how, how it's been when you've been looking around. Or Yeah, I mean, it's, I think dependent upon the gym I yeah, think also that, yeah, yeah. Gen, gen, I'm generalizing yes here, yeah obviously but yeah. I think there's a lot more excitement around uh, around it and it's and it's now accepted as a profession mm -hmm. in Asia I think you know yeah. 10 years ago it you know there certainly weren't parents encouraging their children to be personal trainers or Very get true. into the fitness yeah. industry unless you were being a doctor so yeah. I think now it's it's definitely lifestyle, mm. and people are choosing it uh, as a career and as a, a lifestyle. Yeah, well, I think that I mean, if it, the smart person will be focusing on um, fitness in Asia, because where the wealth is, just whether we like it or not, that's where the the wealth is um, is is funneling into, and the people there they're hungry for uh, exercise. Like it's a it's a it's not a developed market, it's a maturing market, and people are just starting to to want to embrace fitness. So the people that are there at the uh, uh, crest of that wave, yeah they're, yeah, they're really going to do well, I think. I mean, and I think you see even the likes two weeks ago uh, with Spartan Obstacle Race, they mm -hmm. had the largest children's race in the world held in Singapore. Yeah. So, you know, that's uh, almost an oxymoron that, you know, that it's... It's happening here, but it's quite amazing that we're seeing this growth. Yeah, advantaged population, right? That that parents are happy to pay fifty dollars for yep. their children to go and run around a one or a two kilometer obstacle course. So, um, very very interesting and interesting to see for race organisers coming into this part of the world what what else they can do because I think we're almost oversaturated. Every weekend there's at least one or two runs on. So again, they, you know. They have to, at some point, 
either combine or drop off uh, because there's only so much wallet share that people can spend. Yeah, and hopefully um, the quality will just keep improving as well. Yeah, it's it's a consumer's market, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and for any of those trainers out there that want to get into Asia, now's the time as well because we're screaming for we've got too much work and not enough uh, staff. Well, you're looking for physios and always, trainers, so reach always, out to uh, Aaron if you're an amazing physio or an amazing <laughs> trainer, and uh, he'll interview you for a job. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, anything else that you wanted to finish on with highlights of Asia this week? No, I think it's good. I think you touched on everything. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Um, that will be a wrap from Culture Fit this week. Thank you to the amazing Aaron. Uh, as always, all podcasts are on www.thedailyescape.com. You can follow us on Instagram at The D Escape and at Rockstar Arms and Facebook The Daily Escape and Twitter Rockstar Arms. And we look forward to chatting to you again soon. Bye everyone.